We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. He is back, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the Jermaine O'Neal fan club, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, welcome back to the show. Hey, in the building. Ne- never feels good to miss one. So no. It feels great to be back. Feels weird doing it solo. It's like when you leave the house without your cell phone, you're like, man, this doesn't feel right. You know, it's like, <laughs> what's going on? But I'm curious, you know, obviously I did do a little bit of a recap of Media Day, Fachi, and a lot of exciting things, got to be there for the first time, all that. But I'm curious, any takeaways from media day before we jump into day one of practice? The vibe is so different. No one's dodging the question of what the goal is. You know, this year, all the players, it feels like they are bought in to say, we're, we're tired of losing. We yeah. want to make the playoffs. And also, defense, defense, defense. 
defense is everything right now. The Pacers know it. You, you can't accept being a bottom five unit. So it feels like it's coming from everybody buying in and taking pride on the defensive side of things. So I, I thought that those were some of uh, the main takeaways. And then obviously things like, hey, the situation with Buddy Heald. I think it actually sounds pretty positive right now of that Buddy's brought in, bought in to his role. And I think there's not this drama hanging over the Pacers this year like there was last year when you really think about things of just like, is Miles going to be moved? You know, it, it, what about his contract? Like, we don't have those type of real rumors going on. I think it's just a team bought into taking steps forward. Yeah, I think that's a great point. With, with Buddy Heald, the one thing we can definitely know about Buddy is he is a basketball player, and that's all he yes. cares about. Basketball is his first love. So, yeah, the contract stuff, it's going to happen. It's part of the business. That's the other side of the NBA that fans don't love. But Buddy is valuable to this team, and the fan base probably overvalues, overvalues him a little bit just in terms of his overall play. But that's okay. I mean, when you're a fan of a team and a guy does a lot of good things for you, oh, yeah. it's okay to value him. Now, so – it was just cool to hear Buddy talk. Buddy is hilarious in person. I will say my favorite part, I'll have to send you the full-length video. I put a short clip of Buddy asking Tyrese a question while he was drinking some coffee. Saw that. I loved that. <laughs> that was awesome. And it felt like, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it just felt like when the players say that Buddy's the funniest teammate, that video right there is where you can see why. Yeah, so what's really funny is I was kind of standing in the back a little bit, and I was, I'm just taller so I can reach over everybody with my phone and get my video, but... All of a sudden, I look over to my left, and there's Buddy Heald. And he was probably there for about 12 to 15 seconds before he asked that question. And he kept drinking, drinking, drinking. And he was just, like, waiting for Tyrese to finish up. So I was like, I just videoed Buddy the whole time. I wasn't even videoing Tyrese at this point. And then that's when Buddy asked his question. But, like, that's just Buddy Heald. And then you got Jarris Walker joking around with TJ McConnell, Obi Toppin, asking Tyrese a question. I thought that was just really cool to see how those guys were connecting. In, in that environment and just having fun with one another, because that's what you really want to see is you want to see these guys getting along when they're not playing basketball, because that means that when they do play basketball, they're going to have a good time and they're going to play for one another. But I felt like today at practice, Fachi, if you're ready to jump into it, I am. The questions have been nonstop yesterday at media day and today about the defense and yep, nonstop. it's to the point where I can feel like Rick Carlisle is starting to get annoyed talking about it. Because in his media uh, session today, basically he said, eventually we just got to quit talking about it and go out there and show that we got it. You know, it's it's one of those things where you can say, we're going to get better defensively. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But until you go out there and just do it, it's just talk. So I think that while it is an emphasis of this team to get better defensively, I think these guys are kind of getting annoyed talking about it all the time because there are other parts of the game that have to improve. But they did put an emphasis after the season was over that we got to get better defensively. So to be fair, they did kind of bring it on themselves for all these questions about the defense. No, they, they definitely did. I mean, all off season, the Pacers address defense, defense, defense. It's what it is. You draft Jarris Walker, you know, you, you sign, you, you pay up for Bruce Brown to improve on the defensive side of things. Tyrese even saying earlier in the offseason, hey, I got to lead by example the defensive end. Matherin saying he he wants to be a really good two-way player. Everybody has made that their goal. Not, I want to average 20. Not, you know, I want to lead this team in scoring. It's about becoming a better defensive player. And I, I think that's where you have to start. So we've seen defense emphasize in training camp before, but like, I don't know, not like this. 
It just yeah. really feels like there's going to be pride taken in. And, and I think it was Miles Turner was talking about it in winning your defensive matchups, not just looking for help on the team, but like winning your matchup. And then we talked, we heard from guys. I mean, when the episode that you put out, I mean, we heard from Aaron Neesmith talking about his defensive capabilities from Bruce Brown. And these are guys that are all the way bought into specific roles. Like Bruce Brown knows like, Hey, look, I could do a lot offensively. I'm a defensive guy. I'm here to help this team defensively. And for that, I, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just being hopeful, but I really do feel that we're going to see an improved defensive Pacers team. How improved? That's the real question. You and I, we've been shooting all offseason. Can we be middle of the pack defensively? We'd even take probably top 20 defensively, but we yeah. have to see some sort of improvement. And I love the fact that that's the common goal across the full entire team. Yeah, and we know Jim Boylan was brought in as the yep. uh, as another assistant coach whenever Ronald Norad left for the Atlanta Hawks. And it was interesting because we've heard guys talk about Jim Boylan and how he's kind of been the leader of the defense. But today, Rick Carlisle also stated that it's not just Jim Boylan doing the defensive things. It's a collective group working on it. So Jim Boylan obviously is going to get the credit because he's the leader of the defense in terms of coaching-wise. But I do remember Rick saying in the offseason, be before we even got to media day, probably a few months ago, that they're going to rotate the coaches and not just have them be sign, assigned to one part of the game. They're going to take turns being in charge of different things. So Jim Boylan is going to sit in the second row. He's not even going to be on the front row of the bench. He's taking Jenny Busek's spot on the back row, and Jenny got promoted to the front row on the coaching staff. So I, I, I feel like overall this team brought in some good defenders. Internal growth is how this team is going to get better defensively. And – all the different cliches that you hear, playing harder, communication, that kind of stuff, that's all important too. But I think the big thing that I heard today from the guys talking is more trust on the one-on-one -on -one defense and not helping yep. out as much help side. And I think that's a big schematic change because it felt like they're pretty much since Bjorkman came here that everything was funneled to Miles. And yep. while that's great for Miles' blocks numbers, like Kevin Pritchard said, a lot of blocks, you know, that's a good thing, but it's not a great thing because it can also mean that your defense is bad on the perimeter. So if they can be held more accountable for their one-on-one -on -one defense and not rely so much on that help side, I think that's going to make the defense so much better just in, in that way schematically. So Miles doesn't have to be the last hope for every single offensive possession from the opposing team because that's what it felt like at times last year. Accountability is going to be everything. No more masking players defensively. Like, oh, well, you know, Halliburton or Matherin, they're a liability, so let's have someone to help them. No, they got to own their defensive assignments and get better. And I think that, you know, Bruce Brown said it in, in uh, an interview, that clip that you shared, that Matherin has all the tools to be a really good defender. He's learning people's tendencies. Like, He's he's got he's you know putting on some size like he could be a good defender everybody eventually could be but it's about getting one percent better not just uh you know Halliburton Mather they're not going to become all defensive players next year maybe even ever in their career but can they take those steps forward to being better defensively if everybody can do that you're going to get a group that tries really hard and buys in and it's that. It's that hustle. It's that wanting to be a better defensive unit instead of just, hey, this guy's really good at block shots. He'll he'll cover us. Nope. Yeah. That's that's not gonna work. I mean, we looked at it in, in those Nate Bjorken seasons. Yeah, you talked about it. Miles loved it. Great stats. What did the team accomplish? 
not much. Yeah. So they gotta they gotta fix the problem before it gets to Miles. Totally agree with that. I think to pivot a little bit off the defense, Rick Carlisle was on the radio today, and I thought it was great because you know everyone's excited for the Pacer season training camps here, but when he was talking with Kevin Bowen, Kevin Bowen asked him, you know, how do you determine a tiebreaker if there's guys competing for a spot in terms of who starts, who's the backup big, who's the backup four, who's the backup two, three, whatever, backup point guard. How do you determine a tiebreaker if there's two guys that really brought it all they brought all they had to camp and prove they belong on the court? And I thought this was a great answer from Rick. He said, well, we're going to go with the guy that gives us the best chance to win. So at the end of the day, the tiebreaker is going to be determined by who is the better player overall and who gives them the best chance to win. So that's nice to hear that it's not necessarily, a, oh, the veteran's going to get it or the guy that was drafted the highest is going to get it. It's more so we're not looking. He, basically what he didn't say was we're looking long-term here. We're going to give the younger guys the thing. It's like, no, whoever goes out there and gives us the best chance to win is who's going to do that. So we know it's going to be a competitive camp. We All the guys, you know, they're very, they're very aware of the situation that, there are no guarantees in terms of who's starting and what. So that's going to make training camp more competitive. And that was a big talking point at media day, but we heard that day one was a very competitive practice as well. And TJ McConnell was the only one that I, I think didn't play out of the 18 man roster because he is dealing with an ankle injury. I was curious. I, I know I want to get your thoughts on what Carlisle said there, but also 21 man rosters are a, a thing for training camp. The Pacers only bring 18 into camp. Are you a little surprised I didn't just bring three extra bodies in there in case of injuries, experience, maybe get guys in the G League some experience, that kind of thing? I'm not going to say I wasn't surprised because it, it's common. And we looked at the, the roster last year. There were some guys that were long shots. Uh, let me. Langston Galloway. Langston Galloway was in there, but it came down to Langston Galloway and James Johnson yeah. for that final Davidas spot. Arvidas was That was one. the exact name that I was looking for. I was like, all right, I know it's not Arvidas. It, yeah. That was the guy that was like, what? This guy's got an invite? Like, I don't know. It's a little bit of a long shot. So when you – and I have that roster pulled up. Just quickly to go through it. Look, you and I, we both love Terry Taylor. Hey, great guy. I was happy he came on the show. Still rooting for him. But, like, Terry Taylor, you know, Servetus, uh, you know, James Johnson, who was a, a huge veteran for this team and had an impact. Langston Galloway, those are guys – Goga, like – this team right now that we're bringing into camp is much better than that team last year. I really do think that this this Pacers roster has upgraded. Obviously, Chris Duarte was in that group as well. Yeah. So I feel like the 18 that you're bringing into camp is a solidified 18 that you're looking to build with. No spots are up for grabs in terms of roster spots. This is it. Great experience for the two ways. No reps are going to be going to players that are not going to be here. And I really like that. I think in in you know that's probably better for the two way guys like you know Oscar and Kendall Brown, um, you know guys guys like uh, Ben Shepard. I feel like those are the guys that are probably going to benefit a little bit more from this. But I like the eighteen instead of twenty one. Could you have brought in one guy, one veteran that that could have helped? Yeah, could have been. But I'm cool with eighteen. Yeah, I would have I would have been fine with them bringing in three extra people just to Doesn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, and what if somebody pops? What if somebody's really good? You're like, we want to put them on our G League team, that kind of thing. So I think that, it, I mean, if you've got the opportunity to bring in 21 guys, why not, why? right? Yeah. Why not let Alfred Payton, Jordan Bell stay for training camp? <laughs> you know, like why not have them on the roster at least for it? Because it's just good experience. But 
What were your thoughts on also? I don't think you were able to touch on this yet, but your thoughts on how Rick Carlisle is going to view the tiebreakers. That's great. Nothing should be handed to anybody. I, I really do think that when you're trying to win, you emphasize, hey, who, who's who's playing the best? You know, who, who's going to give you a chance to win that night instead of like, you know, uh, we heard, and it's completely different, but we heard for Houston when everything was going down, Kevin Porter Jr., that like, the their head coach was getting pushback from above to really play him at times when other people in specific John Wall at the time was playing better than Kevin Porter Jr. And that's not going to happen here. I love that. I think that our young guys are really talented, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, but nothing's being handed to them. They gotta earn it. And I think that that is the way to really, you know, preach that across the team of everybody's gotta work for it. And competition has been probably the key word of this training camp and this mm-hmm. offseason because it's as real as it's ever been. Yeah, and I and I kind of feel bad for TJ McConnell being out with the injury because he did Tough. say yesterday in his interview, like, I'm going to have to scratch and claw like I always have and prove my worth once again. It's just like he's always got his back against the wall, it feels like, always. in terms of where he fits at role-wise, but he always rises above the occasion. So can't say anything bad about TJ, but – we did hear today from Rick Carlisle once again that Andrew Nimhard was the primary ball handler today during practice. So it, it appears that Andrew is going to be the backup point guard, yeah. at least heading into the season that way. Now, it is just day one. Things could change. We'll see how things play out during the preseason. Who's the starting five? If they make any adjustments, if they try different combinations to kind of figure out what they're looking at, I would love to see that. But one thing Rick Carlisle did say at media day when he was talking about Tyrese Halliburton with playing with Team USA, they are going to put in some you know rest days for Tyrese because it's been a long summer for him. They don't want to overwork him. They've got a game coming up, I think, Saturday or Sunday. I think it's Sunday, Sunday. actually. Mm-hmm. The eighth is the first game. Yep, on the road. So this is going to be a, a good time to you know let McConnell, if he can get back healthy soon, let him and Nimhard kind of run different units and see how they look as the primary ball handlers. But other than those three guys, I don't really see another guy that's a point guard. Maybe you can throw Bruce Brown in there if you need to as an emergency fourth point guard. But we saw Isaiah Wong at uh, Summer League. I don't really like him that much as a point yeah, guard. Neither do I. So, yeah, I think at this point right now, that's where I'm at. But I will say, shout out to your guy, your favorite player on the two-way deals, Oscar Shibway. The best interview of great. yesterday's media. I mean, the guy was cracking me up when yeah. – he said, I need to go to the weight room to get a little bit stronger because I couldn't move miles. And he said, could you also make me a little taller? <laughs> I know, I know. Just, yeah, just the way he talks and everything uh, just really made that interview. And uh, it, was, it was awesome to hear that Miles has taken him under his wing. True. And we've heard now, like, Miles has fully embraced that veteran role. And just think about the 180 that Miles went through from last year's media day yeah. to this one. Last year, uh, he's like coming in with the like, I'm only going to answer this once about these trade rumors and the contract. And like that was hanging over his head, goes out there, has a career year. Now he's coming into this training camp. He's got two years left on his deal now. He's looked at, he's embraced the veteran type role, playing really good. He's healthy. Yeah. He's, and he's known, it's known, it's I am the starting center on this team. Like, I, I'm me and McConnell, we're, we're really the, the vets. I think that that's awesome to be able to now, like, this training camp more than anyone just feels very different and refreshing for Miles Turner. Do you know off the top of your head who the top three longest tenure paces are right now? 
Well, obviously Miles Turner, and then uh, T.J. McConnell, and then number and then, three, and then it's got to be a huge drop off after that. <laughs> uh, is it? I was going to say, is it a tie between you know Tyrese and, and Buddy at this point? No, or... there's someone that was on the roster when they got here. That's still there, but it's one player. Oh, Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's hey, hilarious to me. I, Isaiah the vet. The, one of them, you know, it's like maybe not by age, but by tenure. And, and that's that's crazy because half this team has only been in the league for four or less seasons. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing here. And that's one thing me and Tony talked about. Like seven of the, the guys that could be in the like the 10-man rotation more than likely have only been in the league for four years or less. It's just like, huh. what kind of experience have they really had? And it's like not a lot. So no. It's it's what's it's what you like about a young team, but it's also what can kind of keep a young like a young team from maybe getting a few wins here in the regular season that they need is just the inexperience. But I think last year was a good uh, stepping stone for this team to kind of get themselves figured out in terms of what style they want to play for a full year, who they have roster wise, and I think everything that happened last year kind of gave these guys a taste in their mouth. Like let's get better. They want to get better. They want to make the playoffs. And like you said, that's the emphasis from the players. And Rick Carlisle, when asked about it said, yeah, we can take a competitive step forward. That's a big thing. But I want to say it was McConnell that said, now we got a target on our back because last year we surprised people. This year we're not going to be surprising people with how we play, what we're doing. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments teams make, knowing they're going to be playing the Pacers, a team that people probably just thought, oh, yeah, they're going to be bad. They were in the lottery. They didn't make a lot of roster moves in the offseason. It's just the same team. you know. But this year it's going to be a little bit different. They've made some good moves you know i wouldn't say they've made any like glass shattering moves in terms of oh we're going to win a championship by the guys we brought in but they did make some moves to improve around the edges and i think get a little bit better and and solidify not solidify address some positions that needed to be addressed like the power four position specifically but that's where i'm at with everything i just feel like it's a lot of excitement from the players to make the playoffs but the front office still never committed to saying we're a playoff team. They were very open-ended with their comments and saying, well, after the first couple months, we'll see what direction we head. So it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to sell the fan base that, Oh, we're going to make the playoffs when your front office isn't like selling yeah. that, that message. But at the same time, they're trying to keep it. I think without any limitations one way or the other, because they don't want to set expectations and then fail. And, and it's a great point. They are definitely trying to, you know, cover their behinds to, to some degree to just say, look, whoa, 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 hey, like, you know, we're, we're, we want to prioritize development, but we want to take those competitive steps forward. You know, basically those are the words out of Carlisle's mouth, but the players, them saying it, them believing it, it's like there's just this part of me that's thinking Tyrese Halliburton doesn't care what the front office is saying. That man wants the playoffs, and I really yeah. do think that the players are going for it. And I really feel like that Bruce Brown signing – yeah, you mentioned they didn't, you know, shatter the glass or anything. I just feel like it changed the vibe, the mentality of this team. You brought in a champion who is known as calling card as defense. And I do think that that's going to be something that he's going to be able to help and have, you know, be contagious amongst his teammates. So I think that's something that's really going to change, you know, the vibe. And then also, you know, we didn't really get to talk about, you know, how, you know, the starting five, the starting five for yeah. today was – Tyrese Albert, Bruce Brown, Benedict Matherin, Obi Toppin, and Miles Turner. Alex, what were your thoughts on that five? I think a lot of us assumed that would be the five to start. You know, maybe it changes later on, but what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. 
based on how the roster is currently constructed. And while I am a big Andrew Nimhart fan, and I think that, he didn't, you know, I, I know you are too. I just probably have been a little bit more of an advocate for him starting than anybody else on this, on, on this podcast. Even the guests that we've had on, I've been like, well, you know, I can see why Nimhart should start, but yeah. I know Rick loves him. I know that I really like his defensive presence. And one of the things about Drew, like he's a pretty like quiet guy, like media session, like he was, not interviewed for very long. And he's just an under the radar guy, kind of a little bit underappreciated, I think, just in, in general by maybe people that cover, maybe the fan base. Cause I, I think he's got a lot in like a lot of good basketball in him, he like does. things that he can do, do. So we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, him being the backup point guard, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to play a lot of minutes. And I think that you probably even will see him at times closing out games with different lineup combinations. I don't think that the starting five means anything about. Mm-hmm. No. you know, who is going to close out games. But you brought up a great point um, talking about the starting five things we didn't talk about. Well, in Miles Turner's interview today, they asked him about Bruce Brown and he said, I love Bruce. He reminds me of Thad. Yeah, I did, I did see that quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He can play one through four. And I'm thinking, okay, so if we close a game out with Tyrese, Nimhard, Matherin, Bruce Brown, and Miles, like, yeah, it's a little small, but Bruce has guarded fours before. I, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, the league has totally changed where fours are not your Charles Barkley type fours, right? They're yeah. more of the outside perimeter fours, or maybe he could be a little bit of a uh, of a good defender against those guys. So, I mean, that's not the ideal situation, obviously, but there's times where you could do a lineup like that. And I think that's interesting. But overall, I, I just felt like that's the starting five that makes the most sense. We did not get clarification on who was running with the second unit. I did hear Jairus Walker say that he had a five that was him, Ben Shepard, Jordan Mora, uh, Andrew Nimhart, and Daniel Tice. So that means that the other combination was like Jalen, Isaiah, Neesmith, uh, Neesmith Buddy, Isaiah Wong, Oscar Sheboy, Kendall yeah. Brown. So like that's it's kind of like, okay, how did they go about pairing all these guys up? But at least we know that the starting five that was put out there was the five we expected. And I think that's a good five. I think it kind of makes sense in terms of everything they bring to the table, offensively and defensively, what you're looking for. But Matherin, Tyrese, and Obi are really going to have to take step, a step forward defensively to really showcase that, all right, you know, we can be more defensive presence out here than we were last year. No doubt about it. I mean, everybody does, but those those three in specific, they, they have their work cut out for them. Also, uh, on a side note, uh, Love just hearing Obi just embracing, you know, we're going to be Lob City. It's like, whoa, wait yeah. a minute. Whoa. Like a couple <laughs> years ago, we had nothing even remotely like this. And it's like over the last few years, it's been fun to see the Pacers just get more athletic. And it really feels that this is the year that we're going to be must watch TV for, for your, your diehard. NBA fans. It's mm-hmm. going to take a while to get the casuals on board to really see that like, hey, look at the Pacers. Like they're, they're really doing something. But I don't know. This just feels, this year feels like the start of something special. You can make an argument that was last year the start. I don't know. I feel like it was like a kind of figuring out some things. This feels like, you know, it's not like OKC when they had Durant and, and young James Harden and Russ, but like that, like, OK, we just got to make the playoffs and then consistently year after year, maybe build on it one round at a time. And this just feels like the groundwork has been laid now to take that first step. This was like last year's plan to, you know, put pouring out the cement. I'm ready to take a step on that staircase towards, you know, the playoffs and above. 
Yeah, I mean, if we don't make the playoffs, I think while we talked about some season goals this year and if we would be disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs, I think if everyone's healthy, it will probably be a little bit of a disappointment if they do not make the playoffs because, you know, these guys are saying they shouldn't be there. I kind of agree with them. I think that there are some teams that maybe took a step back, like a Toronto, like a Chicago. I mean, if you're hearing the stuff coming out of Toronto on media day, my goodness, that just seems – I mean – Masai Ujiri would be fired if he had never won a championship with Toronto. yeah. The moves that he's made pretty much have been so, like, terrible, in my opinion. And, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I I think that the trade for Kawhi was so risky because you traded a Toronto legend in DeMar DeRozan. It worked out because you you won it fair and square, no doubt about it. But they also got a little lucky going up against that Philadelphia team that was tough with Jimmy Butler there. That team, I mean – that shot that Kawhi made was just incredible. But yeah. you talk about the injuries to Golden State too. Like if they don't win a title, Kawhi doesn't come back. That's that's a trade that you look back on and go, why did we do that for that run, yeah. that one year? But they won the title, so he's getting a little bit of a, a pass. But the way he's handled everything, the comments he made about Pascal Siakam being selfish, that's kind of how not, it was. Not good, not good. No, like he put that out there basically saying like we got to be less selfish. And then when their coach came in there and said something, he was like, well, if you're getting double teamed, you probably should pass the ball. It's like, man, this everything that they're saying right now, I don't care if the context is you know not correct with how I'm reading it, but it just feels like they're just not locked in. And then we found out today OG Ananobi is not exactly. going to sign uh, an extension with them. He wants to test free agencies. So there are two big chips right there that they would not trade anything for, could be on the move, and this team could be in a complete rebuild mode by the middle of January. So Toronto, man, I just – Masai Ujiri that – I don't think he's a good GM. I'm just going to be honest. A couple of years ago, the hottest name in town, that dude peaked. And I just feel like right now people are getting ready to call his bluff because apparently he was going after Dame without trying to include OG or Siakam. <laughs> like, I, I just don't understand what or that offer Barnes. looks like. Exactly. Like, what is this <laughs> offer looking like? Obviously, like, Grady Dick was like the name that we were hearing, but like, there's got to be a lot more if you're going after Dame. So yeah. give it some time. We're going to finally see. They're not going to ride this out. If OG's saying, where I'm not going to sign an extension, I will test free agency. I just don't think that they could take that risk because this is a pivotal offseason for them. They have been a team that, you know, obviously, yeah, you mentioned they got it done, but then they had a window of like some, you know, pretty good talent there that they didn't do anything with. Yeah. And I think at, at this point, give it about, you know, come January or so, I think they're going to have to blow it up. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi left for nothing. You end up losing Fred Van Bleep for nothing. You trade Kyle Lowry for pennies on the dollar. I mean, nothing. Yeah. You got Precious Achua, and now basically Precious is only there to be a meme with him and Grady Dick. So, yeah, you know, it's like, well, I like Precious Achua. I think he's a fine player. I think he's got a lot of interesting upside to him, but – at this point, what is it, year three for him now? He's kind of in that Isaiah Jackson boat where he's going to have to prove himself um, and maybe get a bigger role this year. We'll see. But I just – I haven't really liked the way they've gone about trying to figure things out. So they did trade Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr. Um, Norman Powell, I think, was a really good player for him. So He, he was. I don't know if Gary Trent Jr. was much of a upgrade or a drop-off. I feel like it was kind of an even trade. So nothing there to, yeah. like, really make me feel like, oh, bad, bad move. But – I don't know. Toronto's just interesting. I just feel like there's teams out there that have regressed in the Eastern Conference and the Pacers should feel good about where they're going because they're ascending while teams are descending. And that's the main thing here. It's like we got to just slowly keep passing them as teams are coming down. We're coming up right above yep. them. And I think that's ultimately 
the best part about this, but I don't think they need to rush. I think that we've talked about this, like the Pascal trade, the other stuff like that. While it does make sense and while we can justify it like a Drew trade, the smartest thing to do with this Pacers team right now is to continue letting these guys figure it out on their own. Don't blow up the roster. Keep the young core intact. Let them learn together and grow together because that's what we loved about that Roy Hibbert team. Yeah, you brought in a vet like a David West, but you didn't gut your roster to go out there and make a move for the hottest name on the trade market. No, you built within Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson, Paul George. You traded for George Hill, um, but really he was growing up here basically. I think he got traded in like year two or three. So that's the case. And then Danny Granger was a part of this core. Other pieces were part of this core that we drafted. So yeah, just let your young guys figure it out and let the ascension just continue happening as we grow internally. I know some people are going to roll their eyes, but there's a lot of GMs that would love to inherit the situation that the Pacers have right now yeah. with the young team, in specific Tyrese Halliburton, who I think around the league is being looked at as a star in the making. Obviously, you know you, you got your Benedict Matherins, you know your Andrew Nembhards, your 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 uh, you know Miles Turner. There's there's a little bit of you got the youth, you got the experience, you got. You know, you got your draft picks. The financial flexibility right now is ridiculous to the point where don't just push your chips all in just to yeah. have a short-term fix. Let's play this out because there is a scenario where the Pacers just make the playoffs. They could show enough promise for someone to say, I'm the missing ingredient over mm-hmm. there. I'm the guy that can get this team to the next level. The Pacers have the assets to either go out and make that trade or be real players in free agency. And we saw it last year. The way the Pacers were able to get Bruce Brown is because they simply had more cap space than anyone else. Really, yep. they, they they were the team that could be serious and outbid people that only had that mid level. Pacers have set themselves up to be big players this offseason. We'll see what happens with some of the expiring contracts or anything like that. They, they could you know make some moves at the deadline. Whatever it is, this is not the closing of the window of you know what if it's not this year we got to blow it up type of scenario. Right. We're just getting started. Yeah, this this feels like the year the Pacers made the eight seed with Frank Vogel. Oh, that was that and, was a great time. Yeah, and this is kind of what this year feels like to me a little bit. It's like yeah, the coaching staff's the same and the roster's pretty much intact. But if they can make the playoffs and they can show like hey, we've got something special here in terms of like how we're growing. There could be a free agent like a David West that's like sees Indiana as like a real spot to exactly maybe go on a couple Eastern Conference final runs because like if we don't get David West, we don't make that jump as a team. No chance. None. Yeah. He I mean, was he changed the culture. He was the glue. He, yeah. He was the glue that held that team down and he was the guy that made all the big shots. Now you might not need someone to do all that for you, but if there's an attractive free agent, let's just throw it out there. OJ Ananobi sees the Pacers make the playoffs as an eight seed, and he's like, I feel like I can really help this team. I want to go there. Then the Pacers are going to be able to do that because they do have the flexibility in the offseason to go out and get him. We've already talked about it. They are going to have cap space again next year, even with Tyrese's extension kicking in. So that's why, you know, you hear about Aaron Eastmith, Buddy Hill, Obi Top, and like all these extension talks that could happen haven't really started yet, I don't think, or they haven't really been public because the Pacers got to keep their flexibility open. I mean, they asked Chad about that, and Chad's like, look, we've never even seen Obi play a game here for us. You know, while we're excited about the move, we got to see what he looks like before we start giving out money. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I think that the Pacers are in a great spot financially. They're in a great spot 
team building wise. And if you're a Pacer fan, you should be excited about what's happening this season. Yeah, this isn't, um, you know, not paying your franchise player who's now threatening to hold out. This is the like, we can afford to wait on guys that have not entered restricted free agency yet. You know, like we're going to be all right. And they understand that because they're still young enough in their careers. So this isn't some, you know, bad blood going into training camp or anything. Keep your options open because we want to dream a little bit bigger than just running it back with this unit. And you know what? Maybe Obi Toppin plays so good that, hey, his price tag went up. I'm willing to live with that. I think so are you. I think so is the front office. Yeah. Aaron Neesmith, same thing could happen over there. But at the same point, that's a good problem because then that means that these guys got better and that they're worth keeping around long term. And for that, I'm willing to roll the dice. Right there with you, Flash. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Tell the people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our video content like this episode here, where we will have this up on YouTube for you guys. But with that being said, Fachi, if you are excited to see the team camaraderie and the competitive training camp continue, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.